0: hey everybody before you listen to the show two quick things i hope you and your loved ones are safe happy and healthy secondly stop right now if you haven't already check out our free to access conveyance and service for mortgage brokers and estate agents mortgage brokers must check out our free to access services at the mortgage broker club.co.uk including over 25 categories of mortgage broker tools stay well and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the MRC Show for Property Professionals. I am your host, Sean Rogers, and I am delighted to be joined on today's show by Mark Gordon of FS Apprenticeships. On today's show, we're going to be asking for Mark's views on the budget, debating the impact on the property sector, lenders, Mark's time at Simply Biz, and his new business, and how it can help property and financial services professionals. Mark, how are things? How are you? Very well,
1: thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to us in a few of these podcasts um, recently, and I think they're really great and adding a lot of value. So, you know, really happy to be here. How about yourself?
0: Really good. You know, with the homeschooling and, and everything going on, the um, trying to make sure we can record these shows without the dogs barking, escaping, kids causing mayhem, anyone bursting in through the door, you know we've got 11 padlocks on the door to make sure this is safe i've tried <laughs> use every single duvet and pillow to try and soundproof the room so so far so good we've got this far without any bloopers occurring that that, that make the show and myself go viral <laughs> outside <laughs> is, of the sector
1: it is about adapting to, to this new digital world isn't it i suppose it's we're used to doing a lot of things face to face and and everything's kind of evaded over to this hasn't it so yeah we've done well over the last 12 months as of as you guys and it's uh you know it's, it's the world we live in now I suppose isn't it
0: so we're recording two days after the budget and not, I don't think there was anything surprising in there for the property sector as a result of the leaks that have you know come out in recent weeks and there's plenty for us to get stuck into so March Obviously, everyone was concerned about the stamp duty cliff edge, and that understandably was worrying lawyers, it was worrying brokers, worrying clients. It's now been extended into three phases. So we've got the nil rate extension of 500,000 up until the 30th of June, then we've got the nil rate reduced to 250,000 up to the 30th of September, and then the traditional level will be reinstated on the 1st of October. What are your initial thoughts on that, Mark, for clients, lenders, brokers, and estate agents?
1: Yeah, and I think it's a great result all around for clients. Um, So many have have been worried about, you know, whether they'll be able to get that purchase or sale over the line before the deadline. Um, And this just gives them extra hope that they can now finalize their first or dream purchase of their property. I've spoken with a few lenders since the the budget and, and the positives for them is that a lot of hard work's gone into making sure that their brokers have been able to deliver these results and fulfill the client's dreams. The danger of a cliff edge, I suppose, for lenders was that, you know, it, it, it might all amount to nothing in a lot of cases, because without stamp duty uh, and that holiday, uh, many buyers couldn't afford to finalise the purchase. Same goes for the brokers. Um, the amount of blood and sweat and tears that has gone into getting these mortgages over the line uh, for the clients, you know, could potentially go to waste if application collapses at that deadline. Brokers enjoy doing what they do because, you know, they're making clients dreams come true. Uh, for them a cliff edge that feel more like the dreams are being shattered, I suppose. Um, again, similar story for estate agents, you know, from but from another angle, selling a home to a first time buyer who can now eventually afford to buy their first home or clients that maybe fa- finally be able to move to their forever dream property, you know, because it works on that end of the scale as well. You know, it's know, it was all in danger of collapsing. A lot of chains could potentially crumble uh, if deadline lifted at the end of March with no extension or structured return. So I suppose with yesterday's budget, many more property buyers will be able to make these dreams a reality, which I, I think is amazing. I think it is super important, though, that we manage clients' expectations. So when we get closer to this sort of tapered return, contact
0: your clients now and get get ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's... That's my concern, especially looking at it from a legal perspective and and for conveyancing lawyers. I've got a lot of sympathy there there because if something doesn't complete, the likelihood is, rightly or wrongly, and even in bespoke cases, maybe it's fair, maybe it's unfair, they're going to carry a lot of the can, potentially, and then probably secondly, lenders, I guess, if things don't complete by a certain deadline. So I imagine there'll be a ton of relief that this 31st March deadline isn't there. But similar to what I said last year, and I think it's still pertinent now, in the last 10 years of legal reform, the the relevant governments have just had a terrible tendency for putting cliff edges in and not really caring and saying, you guys need to sort this out. As you were just alluding to, that puts the pressure on far too many people in my view to communicate the same message to a client because you have lenders, estate agents, potentially mortgage brokers and lawyers. And the question then is, as you get nearer to that cliff edge, what is the message that is going to be delivered to those clients about stamp duty? Because as far as they're concerned, they're coming into it maybe three months. Is it four months? Is it two months? Is it a month? Is it two weeks? Is it two days? Is it two hours before the deadline? At what point does the message come in that says, we can do this, but there is now an increase in risk you're going to miss the deadline. And therefore, what happens if you miss the deadline? And for some people, that might be, it doesn't really matter. It'd be nice if we hit it. It doesn't matter if we don't. And that's fine. I think everyone can proceed there. But where it's, if we miss the deadline, this is not going to happen. I think that's where the difficult conversations need to be had. Or everyone needs to go into that with their eyes wide open. And I think I'm still hopeful and maybe I've missed this and apologies if I have, but I hope that they bring something in that is a trigger point to basically say, if you have got to this stage, by this date you don't have to have completed by that deadline you're safe in essence that would be common sense to me if they're going to do this there's a wider discussion as to whether they they should be doing it or not but now they've done it i think that's the only fair way to do it i imagine they're not going to and it and everyone can breathe a sigh of relief now but i think this just kicks it further down the road and the issue you know as we'll come on too when we're discussing you know, 95.5 mortgages, I, I can just see this, Everyone taking a breath now, but I've just got a bad feeling that in a few months time, the, the pressure of that is gonna be immense. And it's frustrating because, I, I, and they're not notoriously great at doing this. I think lawyers have to protect their brand and have to protect what they do and learn the lessons here. And I think they've got to communicate much more clearly as a firm and through the various panels and contacts that they have to say, if you want to put work with us by this date, A, we are charging stamp duty and B, you are not going to meet that deadline with us right now. And just to be completely clear with that. And I think everyone needs to, if they do that, everyone needs to respect that and see that as a positive that they're communicating with that level of clarity. Um, I wanted to pick your brains, Mark. On the new mortgage guarantee for home buyers who can only afford a five percent deposit, I've seen that. You know, obviously, first time buyers—that's that's amazing. But it's obviously been entitled for home buyers. So the five percent deposit, they receive a guarantee on ninety five five percent loan to value. And many of the leading lenders are going to start with this in April, and many more like Virgin Money and others are going to start May onwards, according to the Chancellor. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was a, f- a fantastic announcement and one that, as I'm pers- I was personally open for because my little sister can now buy her first property, um, because of this scheme. Ultimately, you know, she wouldn't have been able to do that without without this scheme. Um, she was going to be waiting a lot longer, and that that will be the same for a lot of people across the country, I suppose. Not just just my little sister, but there'll be there'll be people who I suppose had five percent deposit Covid hit lenders pulled back their ltvs because of the element of risk therefore they would no longer had enough for a, of a deposit so it's almost you know that they're there and then that's taken away away from them so this is going to give them that opportunity in this short space of time to to be able to do that um it's creating opportunities for clients but it's also creating business for estate agents brokers and lenders as well um, not, not not forgetting the positive impact
0: on, on our economy. Looking at your um, sister's case, Mark, I was just going to say looking at your sister's case in the market, what do you think about price increases? Do you think there's any risk Are people scaremongering, or do you think there's a chance that stamp duty combined with 955 actually means that whether it be the sellers themselves, estate agents, combination of both, of the prices rise and then it's over and good having the five percent deposit, but then can people meet the affordability criteria for higher prices? house prices have, have, have been booming for a while now I, I, I could be a risk of a bubble later down the line what are you, do you are you still confident that this is a whole raft of great positives or do you think there are potential issues that that could come up later down the line
1: yeah no absolutely i think you know prices are going to go up um you know i think there's a lot of repairs to the economy that the government have have got in mind as well and i think you know, at the moment, I suppose it depends on on, on the, the house buyer. Uh, if they're looking to buy now, then it's great. If they're if they're now starting to, to look for their property, and this takes a while, you know, there's a chance that prices will will rise, um, and of course they will then the affordability will kick in, and they won't be able to 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 buy that property. Um, so there is an element of that, but I suppose for those in the interim who are, who are looking to buy that property. It's a great thing moving on from that. Yeah, I think there is gonna be issues with affordability when prices do,
0: do, do rise, Sean. We're a nation of homeowners and this isn't my view at all, but it's interesting. I've seen quite a few people in America talk about actually moving to more of a renting choice and for many, they'll argue in this country they don't have a choice in terms of owning their own home or renting, I completely get that. But I find it interesting that in America there's some talk of actually even uh, mum and dad almost creating your own little home at the bottom of the garden, in essence, for you to live in, or renting and having the, the agility, if you like, A, to move potentially quicker, subject to your lease, and B, to adapt to economic uh, changes and the economic climate you've got a lot of people more people going freelance consultants self-employed professionals and all this kind of thing and you can potentially you can see the point they're making there in that it, you probably do have a bit more agility and especially if you're fortunate enough to have a massive garden you can live at the bottom in some kind of glorified wendy house or something of your parents um, I'm, I'm not sure you can still get away with putting your washing in and dragging that in maybe you can <laughs> Is it a case that the big thing about owning homes is that actually it's really crucial to your retirement, boosting your pension, being able to downsize, release equity, helping your kids? Do you think that it's as important in the UK as it always has been? Or do you think the sort of conversations from America, especially if you're not employed as such, you're you more freelance, that actually there are benefits to being a bit more agile by renting?
1: I think it's a, a, certainly a case by case basis. I mean, for, for renters um, that do travel a lot and they move around the country, you know, renting is probably a better option for them in the sense that, you know, they're not stationary. They're not in one place. So it does give them that flexibility to move around and not commit to, to the purchase of a property. Um, I've always been a firm believer of, of, of owning your own property, and that's mainly because you know it's cheaper to pay off a mortgage. I'm astounded by some of the costs of, of rental properties. So if you are looking to stay in one place, um, not only is it much cheaper to pay off a mortgage than it is is a rental. I mean, I'm I'm in the north, so you know, property mortgages are a lot cheaper for properties up here. But um, you know every payment on a mortgage is an investment as well you know so if you're paying rent you know you're not going to see that money again so you're not putting that money into equity of a property um unfortunately for a lot of people renting is their only option so it's crucial that we still have a strong buy select market allowing more landlords to, to purchase property in order to let that out um but purchasing a property as you already mentioned builds equity so that can be used for retirement income, pension pot. Um, You know, there's there's no equity to, to bank when downsizing in, in your later years if you are
0: renting. Yeah, I mean, I was playing devil's advocate before. My own view is that I think as long as homes are affordable, as long as there's enough of them within reason, and especially if you've got, you know, your 90-10s or your 95 five five loan to values i think that's very attractive for people to buy their own house for all the reasons you've just cited i don't know enough about the american market and potentially the post 2008 world in america but if if in 10 20 years time and heaven forbid but if there was a situation where there were very few homes available prices were absolutely outrageous and you were having to put down 20 30 percent deposits on homes i could then potentially see the argument for that Because if you're talking about having to put down, I don't know, something like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds on a property and you're then to some extent tied to it for quite a while, hypothetically, um, even if that be an emotional commitment more than actually anything contractual or anything else, I can kind of understand where, especially if you're freelance or self-employed, that 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds, maybe they're a potentially better investments there even even for your own living ability or especially if you might have a job that you absolutely hate and you're actually only doing it because you wouldn't get that wage anywhere else and the reason for doing that is because you've got a massive mortgage and that's making you unhappy then that would be another situation where I'd be like "Mm, maybe actually downsizing and getting rid of some of the material aspects to actually be happy it's it's, 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 it may be something to look up but yeah I agree I think in the current climate um that home-owning is definitely the way to go. And I think this will help many more people get on the property ladder, which is a good thing. Mark, Simply Biz, uh, tell us about your time at Simply Biz. What did your job involve day to day and how do you look back on your time there?
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, I was at Simply Biz for, for two fantastic years, um, initially working with, you know, with the member firms, supporting them with business development, keeping their business safe, running events and education campaigns to ensure that they're up to date with the lender's propositions um, and and any market changes. So thoroughly enjoyed that. I was then lucky to be given a quick promotion, um, an opportunity to manage the lender and provider relationship, Sean. So, which was a a great fit for me. I'd like to think that I'm creative, a sales professional, very likable and and trusting. Many might say differently.
0: But, um, You're trusting enough to do this show, so you've got it's good enough for me, mate.
1: <laughs> so that's you know that's that's always helped me when managing corporate relationships. So it was a natural a natural role for me and a natural move within within the mortgage club. Uh, I was help, able to help both the you know lender and provider partners gain exposure to members, offer education and insight to their solution. Um, my role was generating more business for Simply Biz partners, but also keeping our members updated on on what lenders were doing, and what criteria and lending appetites they had at that moment, um, and what was a fit for their clients. Uh, One thing that always stood out for me when, 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 because I've worked on both sides of the fence was, you know, there's a lot of broker firms that see high street lenders, they know exactly who they are what their criteria is you know they do a lot of business with those because it's you know most of what they put forward is is kind of vanilla cases and and, and and you know normal sort of mortgages if you will they also know the other end which is the big specialist lenders so they know who to place their you know adverse um you know your quirky property construction there's a massive lenders in in, in between you know so for me it was always trying to make sure that the brokers knew that they could get similar to high street rates with a little bit of extra flexibility with some of the building societies that sit just outside the high street. You know, so it's really important to, to make sure that they were educated on, on, on all of those lenders in between because they actually might be
0: a better fit for clients. And how do you think the lenders dealt with the past 12 months? There are two particular things, you know, I would like your views on. one remote working, lockdown um, changes, social distancing, et cetera. And then secondly, obviously the stamp duty uh, holiday and the way they then had a bit of a rush and needed to turn applications around. Firstly, how do you think lenders dealt with that generally? And secondly, were there any particular lenders that stood out to you that you thought did an amazing job in terms of whether it be their communication or their agility or the way that they handled the situation?
1: Yeah, I think lenders at that time were pushed into a bit of a, a corner. sure. I mean, I dealt obviously quite closely with the, the lenders with my role at Simply Biz. Um, things like the mortgage payment holidays. Um, a lot of staff had to be moved into other departments to deal with the core volumes and processing for clients. Um, lenders also had to furlough a lot of sales staff um, because of course they were so inundated with, with the mortgage payment holidays um, and they, you know, they couldn't afford to chase more business. Um, so they weren't at full capacity themselves. The pause on valuations meant some lenders you know, were hit hardest depending on, um, but the pause on valuations, I suppose it meant that some lenders had to withdraw from the market entirely um, and others had to adapt and utilize desktop valuations you know, when, when we couldn't actually go out and physically value a property. You know, so that caused a lot, a lot of issues. I think some of the specialist lenders were, were hit pretty hard, uh, depending on who they had for securitization. You know, some had to pull out a lending altogether, um, whereas one or two had to withdraw like their residential range in entirety because of that. Um, turnaround times and, and, and loan-to-values took a huge hit due to desktop valuations criteria changed on a daily basis so that was so difficult for brokers to try and keep up with and keep track of these changes um, lenders were also at times difficult to get hold of and some were not clear enough on their slas and and time to offer or completion um, so that was a, a real pain point for brokers when 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 i was at simply Res as well
0: were there any that stood out, oh, you know, I'd love to, but I'm not going to, I don't want to know the uh, the ones who struggled, but were there any that stood out as really, in your view, doing a great job to communicate and and be agile and react to ever-changing circumstances?
1: Um, I, mean, I suppose there's a couple that spring to mind on, on, on the spot. I'm sure there's many, many more that did a good job of trying to react and there's probably quite a lot that, that didn't um the likes of accord came in with the higher loans to values probably quicker than a lot of others so that was a you know a, a great a great thing for both clients and brokers to be able to offer higher ltvs i think skips and building society were phenomenal in their adapt to change and, and technology to try and smooth the process over of and, and the turnaround times for getting things through but there were many lenders that you know, really kind of pulled out all the stops. There were many that potentially could have done more, um, but obviously I won't, know. I won't I won't go into too, too many names, but those are two that stood out in two slightly different ways
0: um, of adapting very well. FS Apprenticeships, you left Simply Biz, you decided to set up FS Apprenticeships. What gave you the idea to set it up?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, you know, uh, an easy one for me and a story that I do, I do love to tell um working with and supporting financial advisors over over quite a long career in in financial services Um, the growing concern more recently for me was the lack of you know online digital presence um, as the world became much more digital so the saying was always said that online is now the new high street and and there was too many businesses in my opinion that didn't have a shop window So I began to research solutions for firms who, you know, didn't know where to start when it came to marketing or didn't have any internal knowledge at all, Um, especially digital marketing and social media. You know, these are two areas that really, there was was improvements needed to be made across intermediaries. So I came across digital and content marketing apprenticeships. Now, even, even I thought apprenticeships were for, you know, electricians or mechanics, you know, I thought they were very, very trade focused. Um, but yeah, I found that they did content marketing, digital marketing apprenticeships, you know, and a, a full suite of marketing apprenticeships. So knowing that, you know, there was funding available and at the time, you know, take business owners as from, basically business owners, they, you know, they can't be spending too much time on content creation and, and, and doing that kind of online digital marketing when they've got so much else to do. Um, so I, I, I just thought this is a fantastic solution for them and I decided to run with it. Um, before, before you know it, I'd hired um, marketing assessors, so marketing professionals who do are a tutor and trainer and assessor for apprenticeships. And I'd sat them down and run some training with them on financial services so to make them aware of who Say a mortgage broker's target audience would be, you know, running through what the businesses look like and giving them a real insight so that they can tailor that learning to to mortgage brokers or any firms within financial services. Um, so far, I, you know, I reached out to some of the firms that I've dealt with over the years and so far, you know, they've, they've opened their arms to the opportunity. They've never thought of that and think of that it's a fantastic solution for us, um, you know, with, with limited budget. So, you know, the other reason for, I suppose, starting this business was, you know, young people getting young people into, you know, into the industry that don't have advising qualifications, you know, so it might be that they've, you know, they're real marketers. They want to, they want to be marketers, they're, they enjoy marketing. Um, <clears throat> they know, of course, financial services is crying out for, you know, for, for marketing professionals, therefore, you know is, why couldn't that be an into the industry you know that that, that, that that was one for me
0: and leaving simply biz in a pandemic to set up on your own tell us about that journey i'm guessing scary crazy time consuming all three
1: <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was it was very mixed emotions for me sure i'm not gonna lie it was uh, i was doing something that i really enjoyed um, with a team that I fit into extremely well, you know, most of which, you know, they all became friends and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep in contact with them forever, I'll learn a lot from them. Uh, I was giving up stability and guaranteed salary, you know, and walking out into the land of owning my own business, you know, which was scary to say the least. Um, but that was mixed with, I suppose, excitement, pride, hunger to go off and make
0: my own venture a success. And how does FS Apprenticeships work in terms of, you know, I I assume you've got maybe a smaller operations, self-employed professionals, who I assume would look at this as a a time, either a time saving support partner, if you like, or uh, someone to fill a knowledge gap void potentially, and that they might not feel comfortable being online, they might not feel comfortable doing stuff in the digital space. But alternatively, you could have bigger businesses that do have some internal resources, internal teams, who, who, if you like, create the blogs, do the videos, do the webinars, do various things in terms of networking. Are you able to work with everyone? Is it a particular niche that you're looking to work with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the niche that I was, looking to offer the solution to initially was more of the sort of SMEs that, you know, didn't have a sort of marketing strategy or, you know, they're using an out they're outsourcing to a third third party digital agency, a you know, marketing agency. So they could actually have someone with internal knowledge that could actually own that relationship with that, with that marketing agency. Um, so really kind of that was, th- that's the initial kind of niche area that I'm looking at starting with vote brokers that haven't got any marketing at all they might dip their foot in but aren't really making the most of it or they've got you know they just haven't got those in turn that internal resource to do it um but then yeah moving forwards, i suppose for your larger for your larger businesses it could be a case of they've got a couple of people in they're looking for extra people to come into the business you know as marketing apprentices as extra resource that can actually grow and 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 and, and to go through their development with a with a bigger firm well,
0: yes. how does? I was gonna, sorry Mark I was going to say how does the government funding work is uh, what are the costs involved in this what would people be looking at as an outlay and is there is there a lot of administration that's potentially involved in them in terms of dealing with this government funding you know wh- what's it like in terms of costs and actually the hidden resources of actually running this
1: yeah, so another great user for using the solution, I suppose, is that the qualifications are funded up to 100%. Um, so when I say up to, typically if you're upskilling the current staff member who's over 18, um, it'd be funded to, at 95%. That would mean that the employer would need to pay 5% of the, of the quali- qualification. Um, so that would be a maximum of 600 pounds depending on the qualification. So yeah, it's, it's heavily government funded Um, in order to develop people into into marketers or getting people back into work. You know, so from a cost perspective, this is one of the the biggest USPs. You know, you're using government support, government funding to help you grow your business. Um, And us as a training provider, you know, can support the the marketing area of the business, your digital and your social media marketing. Um, On top of the funding, you've also got the cash grants that are available at the moment. You know, so if you're hiring in a new apprentice, in addition to that funding, you receive a cash grant um, for giving somebody the opportunity, I suppose, Sean. Um, and this was up to £3,000, dependent on age until budget, when good old Rishi made it £3,000 for any age group. So, again, with that in mind, it's people that may have lost the job because of COVID. You know, you can actually, as an employee, give them the opportunity to come in. And get back into the industry, or you know, start their career in, in financial services. So the cash grants for sixteen to eighteen year olds will be now up to four thousand pounds. So I suppose from if you're looking at it from a business, you know, what does this cost? It's very minimal cost to actually get somebody on board, or to put a current staff member onto an apprenticeship in marketing and, and upskill those. Um, you'll get a cash grant for that as well. It can go towards wages of bringing somebody in, or it can go towards, you know, obviously the, the platforms that they may need to use and utilise whilst creating content. You know, whatever they want to use that for. But it is it, it is given to them by the government really to to support them whilst they're supporting you know other people getting back into work or starting their career with with your business.
0: I'm playing devil's advocate. If I'm I've got loads of introducers but all these amazing uh, new 95 five loans of value guarantees from the government stamp duty holiday extended. I'm really busy. Whether I'm doing anything on social media or not, are you worried or how would you deal with people responding saying, why, why would, why would I dedicate any time to this? Why would I dedicate any funds to this? Why would I potentially look at doing this? when i've got all this going on really busy things are flying market looks like it's going to be really strong for the rest of this year by the looks of it why would i be interested in fs apprenticeships
1: absolutely i suppose there's a number of reasons um, but i'll pick on one or two i suppose sean as as primaries and that's you know one being you're currently doing well being too busy I will emphasize on that. But what happens when you know your competitors start to, to ramp up their online presence and uh, brand awareness? And then further down the line, when you are out of sight, because you've not been you've not been creating content, you've not been, you know, raising your brand awareness and building a brand in that time, where your target audience, you know, they start to, to use your competitors because you know they have invested in, in content marketing, they have invested in their brand. You know, they've been over the course of a few months raising brand awareness, letting people know who they are, their values and core values. You know, gradually you will start to lose you lose those customers that are with you now. Um, Marketing is not something that works overnight. It's all about building a brand, um, which can take time. So by not making this a priority now, will affect your business in the future. I can guarantee that. the, the you know, our business's competitors are looking at bolstering their digital marketing now, and you can't afford to, not, especially now, when we're well into the innovation of a new digital world, you can't afford to not be seen by your target audience or be trusted by your target audience or then know your brand and know who you are and the solution you offer. There's no great cost to using this solution. So, you know, the extra revenue the apprentice brings in by creating content and 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 building on that lead generation will more than cover the cost of the hire if you're bringing somebody in. And FS apprenticeships will take care of all of the training. So, you know, all you need to do as an employer in that sense is to make sure that they're spending time to learn and complete their program. So, if I was to summarize, you know, why in that situation would you use FS apprenticeships, it's all the training is done by FS apprenticeships. Most of the cost is covered by the funding marketing of your business will improve and generate more business as well as retain your current clients so you'll have more time to concentrate on further growth of your business and improve processes within the business
0: yeah just to reinforce that i think i use this analogy quite a lot that it's so difficult when you've got pillars if you like of your business that are going so well let's use introducer partnerships introduce relationships as an example Well, you could look at it the other way. You could be doing all your referrals through online, Facebook, almost like your local networking. And you haven't got that many introducer partnerships in place. And I just think you're exposed if you don't have more than one pillar, even if it is only two. And like you said, the other problem with that is that if you're only got one, maybe one and a half pillars, so to speak, if you lose one, It's very, very difficult to react to that as quickly as you would need to. And you are much better putting the seeds in the ground and watching the flower grow and watering it, even if you're only dedicating 10% of your time to that in a long-term play. Because I just think you're always better either turning work down, passing it on, or you, you may make the decision to grow your business on the back of that time is obviously an issue and I think that's what I really like about the service in that this might fill a knowledge gap for people I like the fact that it involves the training I also like the fact that it helps obviously young people in particular but people move into the sector and I think that would be my concern looking forwards that especially the people who are built on introducer relationships someone told me a long time ago in business and it goes for football as well and sport that If you want loyalty, buy a dog. And the reality is, no matter how good your introducer partnerships are, you are always going to have people wanting to nick those introducer relationships from you. There are going to be new people entering the market all the time, getting the qualifications. And like you say, in terms of doing stuff digitally and online, it's hard enough finding the time for it. But then secondly, it's hard enough finding the right strategy. You know, you, you, I could run and walk as far as I want to the north, but I'm a, if I'm looking to end up at the South Pole, it's going to take me a hell of a long time. Yeah. So having the right strategy in place to make sure that what time is committed to it is pretty crucial. Um, and I think if you're only going to be in the industry for another few years... And you're looking to retire then i don't think it's that big a problem but i think if you're looking to be in the industry post 2025 i think you have to be dedicating some of your time to your your online media your digital media and and so forth um that's it for this week everyone thank you mark for being such a fantastic guest thank you for listening if you want any further information on fs apprenticeships please check out mark gordon via social media accounts he's really active on linkedin there's the fs apprenticeships website and we're going to be messaging loads out about them on our website and social media channels directly please share and spread the word about the mlc show for property professionals if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review i know that's dead cheeky but we are where we are. And remember to check out the products and services at the mortgage uk. More importantly, please stay well and take care. Brilliant, mate. Is that all right? Stop recording.